Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This is our second careers pod episode. This time we're focusing in on neonates. I'm joined today by Chris Corse, one of the neonatal grid trainees currently working in Singleton Hospital in Wales, and by Lucy Perkins, one of the neonatal consultants based in Singleton. Today we're going to discuss what drew Chris into neonatology, and then both Chris and Lucy will discuss how to improve your neonatal application with an aim to get shortlisted for an interview. Anyway, let's get started. Hi, um, I'm Asim. I'm here today doing a podcast about applications to neonatal grid, pro- uh, the neonatal grid program. I've been, I'm lucky enough to be joined by the absolutely excellent Chris Corse and Lucy Perkins. So um, Chris Corse is one of our grid trainees working in uh, Wales at the moment. Hi, Chris. Hi, Asim. Pleasure to be here. Excellent, thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you. Um, And uh, also Lucy Perkins, one of our um, more recently qualified grid trained consultants in neonates working in um, Singleton Hospital in Swansea. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Asim. Delighted to be here. Yay. Lovely to have you with us, Lucy. So I thought, uh, is it okay to start with yourself, Chris, first? I thought... What would be really nice to know is just to get to know you a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about your um, you know, medical career today, where, where you went to uni, um, what, what you did um, when you first um, graduated and, and so on? Yeah, uh, no problem. So um, I went to uni in um, Cardiff, uh, Cardiff Medical School, and I graduated in 2011. Um, after that, I did my foundation jobs in South Wales, so my in my foundation year one, I worked in the Royal Gwent Hospital in Newport. Um, and as part of that, I did a four month posting with their paediatrics department. Uh, in my F2 year, I did, um, well, I applied for a rotation that I thought had another four months of paediatrics because I thought that's what I was going to apply for. Um, and then when I turned up to work, I found myself on their neonate intensive care unit, which was not quite what I was expecting. Um, but that's where I sort of got my first real exposure to neonates. Um, I'd already um, really decided that I wanted to do paediatric training, so I applied um, to do that in the seven deanery um, following my foundation uh, year two uh, posting, but unfortunately I didn't get into it the first time. And so then I went back and did a clinical fellow post, um, I suppose an FY3 year is what it'd be called now, um, on, again back in Cardiff on their neonatal intensive care unit, and that's where I sort of really got in, more into neonates. Um, and then since then I've rotated around... Um, the hospitals in um, Cardiff um, and uh, Carmarthen, uh, the Vaughan Morgan Clan, Tristan, now I'm currently working in Singleton. Um, and I started my neonatal grid training um, in September of last year. Excellent. Um, so what, you mentioned that you, you, you just, it sounded like you decided quite early that you wanted to do paediatrics. What was it that drew you into paediatrics to begin with? Uh, so I... Um, I always sort of had an inkling in medical school that I liked the idea of paediatrics. And then um, when I did my um, placement in my fourth year um, in Abergavenny, um, that's when I sort of really fell in love with the specialty. Um, I think 
what makes paediatrics special is that you're you're dealing with a very different um, group of patients as compared to adult medicine. You're you're dealing with um, kids, and dealing with kids is generally more fun, in um, my experience, in my opinion. Um, and you can have more fun at work um, dealing with children. Um, and what drew me to it initially was that um, basically kids are well. When they get unwell, um, you can um, intervene and most of the time and you can get them back to being completely well again. Um, whereas with adults, a lot of it seemed to me to be sort of chronic disease management, um, lots of polypharmacy um, and um, trying to correct problems that people were never really going to recover from or get much better from. Um, and I found the fact that you could get kids well again um, much more satisfying. So I suppose that's what drew me into it initially. I had no understanding of neonates at that point, really, and no experience of it at all. Um, but then um, with my four months in neonates in foundation year two, and then with my year as a clinical fellow in Cardiff doing neonates, that's when I had a sort of a bit of an epiphany moment and um, really um, became quite passionate about um, doing neonates. Um, so I think what really drew me to neonates was that um, the working practices really suited me. So um, it, it's an environment that you um, have an awful lot of control over. You know, it's um, if you want to do some intensive care on a patient, you do some intensive care and you have the skills and the ability to do that. Um, but if you're doing um, really sort of holistic family centered care with a, a baby that's not doing very well or a baby that has lots of complex problems, um, you can do that too. And then equally also seeing um, lots of families that are really happy, joyful time of their lives when they're having a baby and that baby might have a few minor problems that are very quickly resolved and um, but you can have a really positive impact on on trying to help that family through through what they're experiencing um, so I guess lots of people ask me you know why don't you want to do pediatric intensive care as, a, as opposed to neonatal intensive care but it's because you get to know your your patients and your families an awful lot better on neonates and you're, you're with them through some hard times and some good times and you know the, the good times always always seem to outweigh the hard times and in number at least I yeah I think it's it's a really positive specialty that you you can have a, a really big impact a positive impact on not only a child's health for the rest of their life um, but also on the family's experience of that really hard time I mean that's really inspiring one of my questions was going to be what's the most rewarding part of your job but I think you just listed about 20 really rewarding things there well you know I I, I, I do feel passionate about it it's um I think it's it's a job that um, it's a specialty that you know you can have a really um, you can be really helpful and you can you can do an awful lot for a family in neonates um, through hard times and good times um, and hopefully that that effect lasts and is remembered by the family and lasts for that that, that child's ongoing health and development. Oh, lovely! Thank you very much, Chris. Um, so 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 we've probably got a few um, people who are listening in and might well be considering a career in, in neonatology. So um, if I could ask you this first, Chris, um, the actual neonatal GRID training programme, what does that involve? Grid is a, grid, neonatal GRID is a three-year programme um, that starts at the uh, beginning of ST6 and takes you through to the end of ST8. Um, from my understanding, each region varies slightly in what they will... Um, put into their grid program um, but all of them contain at least two years of that time in um, neonatal intensive care 
so a level three neonatal unit setting. Um, and preferably there should be some um, surgical, neonatal surgical experience as part of that. Um, and then I know in Wales, we then have the, the third year um, is relatively um, uh, open to being tailored to what to what you want it to be. So um, there's the opportunity to go and do transport um, work. So um, that can either be within your own deanery if you have a transport service that's approved for training, or you can um, venture out into another part of the country and do your um, transport experience there. You can um, take six months um, of research time if you're doing research and have that accredited towards your grid training if it's applicable. Um, or you can spend six months um, with an allied um, specialty to neonates. So um, my next posting is with, back with the paediatric respiratory team in Cardiff, um, but with neonates along calls. Um, and that's because my special in, my area of special interest for neonates is um, neonatal respiratory medicine. So it's, it's six months to try and gain some more experience of the more complex patients and sort of their more long-term management um, with that team. But equally, you could do that with um, cardiology and learn echocardiography skills. You can go off to palliative care um, and get some experience there. You know, it's a lot of... My, ex my experience of senior, more senior training is that it's really about taking control of what, what you want to do in the future and where you want your interest to lie um, and being proactive about tailoring your grid experience to that to try and give you those skills and that experience going into a consultant role. Um, and the, the scheme in Wales is very supportive for that. But um, that's, that's an overview of grid, really. Uh, certainly what you've described is a lot more flexible than I imagined grid training to be. Yeah, I mean, there's the basic requirements. You know, you have to have your two years in a neonatal intensive care unit, preferably across multiple sites, but that's not possible in every deanery. In Wales, we, we do it between Cardiff and Swansea. Um, but yeah, then you do have 12 months full-time equivalent to to tailor to what you, uh, what skills you want, what extra skills you want to gain on top of that, um, that neonatal intensive care experience. Um, so, Lucy, what did you do then with your grid training post with the with the options that were handed to you? Um, so, before I answer that, I think I just want to echo what Chris said. Mm. And for those medical students and people thinking about paediatrics, is that there is huge. The beauty of paediatric training is that it is so flexible. There's so much variety in what you can do from being a intensive care doctor in neonatology to general pediatrics to all the specialties when you choose pediatrics you're not you're not um kind of narrowing your your kind of options or where you can go and even within real subspecialty training such as neonatology grid training there's still so many avenues to explore um and i i have an interest in safeguarding myself which is um, somewhat unusual for a neonatologist but it just goes to show that you make training um, what you want it to be and you will be the doctor um, you want to be through that and the great thing about paediatrics that ties us all together is that um, you know without going on full-on Whitney with this children are the future and one of the most rewarding aspects I'm not going to sing it for <laughs> oh please 
I will spare you that. But I, uh, I think the important thing to say is that that is the most rewarding part. You can be an advocate for children, for vulnerable children, but for all children. Um, and, and, and it's so flexible. So sorry, I've stuck back in there with my medical student um, enthusiastic speech that they all get drilled with in Swansea. Um, but there's, there's so much opportunity and flexibility, um, even when you're getting towards these really subspecialist stages of your training. I don't think you need to apologise for, for putting out such an inspiring message at all. <laughs> Uh, but um, sorry, Asim. So I will now answer your question, which was what I do with it. So, so interesting. So I, um, so I did three years of neonatal intensive care. So what, echoing, you know, building on what Chris said, there's still a. Um, and Chris, you correct me if things have changed um, a little bit. But as part of your neonatal training in Wales, you're still expected to do a year within a surgical centre. that's correct yeah yeah. and then you need to do at least another year in another center and then that third year can be um doing these many other sort of avenues that chris has been talking about i think what's key here is really thinking about what you want to do but also what is um realistic um what is possible for you um and planning ahead so i had hoped to go to um Australia to do some transport work and I'd started getting in touch with people there after going to a conference and seeing some really inspiring talks actually so it's again it's often experiences we have people we meet that inspire us to do things um, and then I rather inconveniently got pregnant uh, <laughs> with, uh, my second child so I think the message is uh, life uh, there's no people as a female doctor often ask you as well when's a good time to have a family I, I don't worry too much about what when a good time is and it's different for everyone but I think that you don't feel like you can't do something because you've got other things going on because we all have um, working lives and our lives at home and for a lot of my training I thought the two shall never meet but it's really important, actually, when you finish within training and when you finish training, you're doing this job for the rest of your life. You've got to be able to um, continue your life and um, continue doing the things you enjoy and investing in the in the friends and family that you need to be with, particularly when we do a job like we do that's very emotionally demanding as well. You need that support network and that release. So I think I actually... Well, I know. I don't even think. I know. I did three years of training within neonatology, and I was very lucky. Although I didn't go away to do um, some of the great things people do, and and I know I know Chris Chris has done some respiratory work. Lots of people sometimes do transport in London. There's lots. There's loads of great options. But I actually, by spending the, I spent the first year in the surgical centre, which is Cardiff, which was great experience, and then I spent two years in the in Singleton Hospital in Swansea and actually having that continuity of being in one place for a longer time gave me sort of a platform to explore um, um, areas I was interested in so I did some quite big quality improvement projects um, and developed a bit of an interest in that Um, I was able to sort of drill down on what my interests are and work on those so I think 
don't pigeonhole yourself in what you can or can't do. And if things need to be flexible and they change perhaps because of um, your family commitments or other things going on, it's not necessarily a negative. And certainly, having done three years with so much clinical exposure within neonatology really, um, you know, really honed my clinical skills. And this was never more evident than when you become that consultant, you make that transition and suddenly your clinical decision making is really put to the test because the buck stops with you Um, and there are always people you can talk to but much more the onus is on you and what I found was that the transition to consultant in terms of my clinical care of patients was a very smooth one because I'd had that exposure saying that I was still able to really develop my CV and do some great work, get some great experience, despite not necessarily doing out-of-programme work um, or, or going into a, a further subspecialty. We're very lucky in Wales, you know, all of our consultant teams are really supportive um, and we'll, we'll find opportunities for you if if you ask or if they know that you're interested in a particular field you know they're they're always looking to support trainees and to bring on their their skills in in what the areas that interest them um and you know it doesn't i don't think it matters long term if you've not gone off and done this amazing fellowship in canada or you know you've gone and done some transport work in melbourne or whatever you know those are brilliant things to go and do but you can get different but equally as valuable experiences from your your placements at home it's about making your placements work for you really yeah and i think you know, looking at looking at because um, because I'm a big advocate of social media and Neonates has got this really big presence on Twitter. So I think what you what you're saying about Wales and and how supportive all the departments are seems to be just true of Neonates across the entire the whole across the whole of the UK. Yeah, I think I think you do have people neonatology. Um, it's not an it's not an easy job. There are a lot of antisocial hours. Our rotors are renowned for being slightly grueling. Uh, we tend to be perfectionists who like to um, who like to beat themselves up about the smallest um, deviants. But um, but it's also to, hugely emotionally demanding. Yet yet we still all do it and love it and are passionate about it about moving it forward. And I think that passion shines through. Um, and as you said, with platforms like social media, the the world used to be a relatively small space. It is now this wide open arena. Um, and Asim, um, I'd like to say your work on Dragon Bites with Stacey, it's absolutely fantastic. You're now reaching far beyond those you could have reached doing face-to-face teaching and, um, you know, in perhaps 10 years ago. So it's really about what you do with it um, and developing in your own niche. And certainly teaching is something and education um, is something a few of us have an interest in. And it's hugely rewarding. And both Swansea and Cardiff are attached to universities. So there's a huge hotbed of things to get involved with their qualifications you can be looking at. Um, And equally, research. And at Singleton, you know, we have... um, my colleague Sue Joy Banerjee who is you know really excellent in the field of quality improvement you can learn a great deal from these people um, and people are passionate and people are keen to learn and and kind of share share what they know but also move things forward for our patients um, so yeah. I think neonates is a specialty that's very good at affecting change um, because I think we work in smaller groups we're, we're tight-knit teams and um, we are generally very passionate about our 
our patient cohort. And um, throughout my clinical experience, I've seen more effective change happen in neonatal departments than I've seen in adult medicine or even in general pediatrics departments, just because there's that appetite to innovate and improve. And that's a great training experience. And and I think also there's that, um, we love a cliched quote, but there's that quote that change is the only constant in life. I think it's some Greek philosopher said it, but but it's true within training, your ability to adapt to change, to make the most out of situations um, is, is actually a fantastic skill. And it's probably the only thing we can be certain of the face of neonatology in, in 10 years time will be completely different to, to how we're working at the moment. And with the current, with the recent coronavirus crisis, we've all worked in really different ways. There's been huge challenges, but wow, we've learned a great deal about how we work. And actually, there's some really positive things that have come out of it in terms of, you know, going forward and working in different ways. I completely get the point you're making, um, because it's at these times of adversity that you can see how quickly we can adapt to change. Um, oh, Adam, that was beautifully said, you podcast kid. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, there'll, there'll be trainees who, na- who are listening to this now who've pretty much decided they're going to be applying for, for neonatal grid. So is, is it okay to start with you first, Lucy? Um, what, what general advice would you, would you offer trainees who are actually applying for, for neonates either this year or next year? Great. So if you've made that decision, you want to go into neonatology. Um, firstly, you've made the right choice. No, that was a joke. But <laughs> That's um, secondly, I think the first thing to say about the neonatal grid pro, uh, process, the application, the interview, is that they don't want fully fledged neonatologists. Okay, that's the whole point of grid training. They're going to get you're going to have the training to do that. So don't worry if you don't have the most experience in neonatology. You haven't done all every single procedure under the sun. Uh, you haven't done a you know a pericardio centesis on your own in the middle of the night you don't need to worry about these things they want to see people who are enthusiastic and passionate about the specialty and can demonstrate that in some way and a lot of it is about talking about your transferable skills so you may have actually done very little neonatology um, but you've dealt with um, you've, you've worked in teams you've dealt with acute pediatric situations you've dealt with difficult communication and there's lots of examples from within your practice outside neonatology that are great examples of of why you would enjoy that specialty and why you're passionate about that I mean that's really helpful it's, it's always worth bearing in mind that that even if you don't have experience within the you know the the subspecialty you're planning to apply to there's probably loads of transferable experiences you've had um chris do you have any other thoughts on on or any other advice you'd offer trainees who are applying for neonates yeah i'd um i'd echo everything that lucy said um equally i'd say speak to people you know speak to people that are um, already on grid speak to your consultants um you know get their support get their advice um find out what worked why they chosen it, what worked for them and they're applying and try and get their input and their, their insight, really. And also, um, absolutely true, um, Chris. There, there are, it's not a sort of cloak and dagger process. The shortlisting scoring um, is available on the RCCCH website. So you can see how you can score more points in different, different areas. And it's a really good point in your career 
to, if you haven't already, put together a CV um, because it's really good to look, drill down and say, you know, what are my areas of interest? What have I done well in? What do I perhaps need to target some more work in? And if you can do that earlier, then it gives you a bit more time when you're talking about how you can get those 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 good shortlist scores about how you can target areas that perhaps you can um, improve in or, or 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 get some more sort of evidence and um, points on the shortlisting form. I mean, that's a really helpful segue because that was going to be my next question anyways, as to how trainees can improve their scores on the application. So I suppose that first point's really important. Look at that form early, as early as you can, and start targeting your weak points. Is that about, that's about summarises it, doesn't it, Lucy? Yeah, I think so. I think it also is quite a nice process in seeing how much you have achieved and what you've done. But there's 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 no big dark surprises here. They they're talking about not so much your clinical experience within neonates, as we said, but what have you done within teaching? What have you done within audit? How have you affected change? Okay, or quality improvement projects? Not just oh, I did this standard audit, but I I did this. I led this. We achieved this change. This is what I contributed. And you realise actually over the years you have built built up quite a, quite a CV already. Um, so it's a good chance to look at that. But certainly in these different areas, there's going to be areas we think, well, I teach medical students a lot on the board, but actually in terms of showing my enthusiasm for teaching, what have I done on a on a bigger stage? What, you know, where have I really done something ch- different, innovated? If you can start thinking about these things, whatever specialty you plan to go into early, it really does help when you reach these um, more formal processes um, to 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 have been able to give yourself the best chance to showcase what you've done, really. Uh, I mean, that's really helpful. It's, it's completely true. I'm, I'm saying this as someone who hasn't even applied for a grid. Um, but I, I agree that when when I decided to, to start grid applications, by looking at that, I was surprised at how much I'd actually managed to accomplish. But it did manage to sharpen my my thinking into what areas I need to target. Absolutely. Um, and I think you don't need to be gri- uh, going into grid to to do this process. I think at that time in your career, um, you're, you're well into your core training as a registrar. Even if you're applying for a, a specialty that's not a grid specialty at the moment, such as general paediatrics, it's really important for your career pathway to take an active interest, sit down, have a look at where you are, and really take control of where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, Chris, uh, essentially the same question. Have you got any thoughts on, you know, with um, with a view to getting shortlisted, what um, trainees can do to improve their application? Yeah, I think, it, as Lucy said, it's looking at that um, scoring framework, but it's really selling yourself um, and um, selling your achievements. I think uh, generally, we're quite a modest lot. We don't really like to blow our own trumpets. Um, we, you know, we, we get on, we do what we do, um, but we don't like to brag about it. Um, and that's that's fine because our consultants know us, our consultants and our colleagues know what we've done. They know what we've brought to a department, what we've brought to a team. The people that are marking these applications don't know us from the next application. And so, um, you know, it's an opportunity to really celebrate what, what you have done in your, your training, what audit went particularly well, what quality improvement project that you led did, did bring around this change, what research 
thing were you involved with? What what teaching thing have you been involved with? And it's about really putting yourself over, you know, this is what who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I've done. This is where I want to go. Um, and it's it not only shows demonstrates your skills, what what you've learned and how you want to develop, but it really um, gives an insight into you and um, your passion for for your job and why you want to get into a neonatal grid post. Thank you. I think that's that's really helpful. I, mean, I was thinking about what you just said then, um, Chris, because I think a lot of people when they when they're um, applying for you know whatever they're applying for, but we'll we'll focus in on grid here, is that. You know, with something like, for example, research in mind, I think people have a tendency of saying, well, I haven't done a PhD or I haven't written a paper. And then they all, almost dismiss that category as something that they can contribute anything to when they're applying. But actually, people, if, if you take a really long, hard look at things that you've done over time, you probably have been involved with research without re- realizing it, even if that's something as simple as doing your GCP or yeah, exactly. um, recruiting people to trials, things like that. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you look at the shortlisting framework, yes, having a PhD features on there, but it is well up the scale, and there's many things that you can achieve in the research domain before you before you get there. Um, you know, having a paper published will get you a decent number of points on the application. If you've got the time, think about um, what if you want to publish a paper, what kind of things to do? It doesn't have to be some um, medicine redefining RCT trial that you've um, spearheaded. It can be an article in Education and Practice in Archives of Disease and Childhood. An Archimedes article in, in the main part of ADC is a really good way to get um, a peer-reviewed, high-quality publication in a decent journal that you know does not take a vast amount of effort so have a chat with your consultant your educational supervisor your colleagues see if there's any ideas that have been kicking around the department for an article like that you know they're not particularly long um, to write you know it's usually just a short literature review um, and a bit of a commentary but you can get you can get a publication and that will earn you a good few points on the shortlisting and and might be the difference between getting an interview or not for some people um, but it's not a hard thing to do. And if you've got the time to do it, those are easy things to do in the, the research category of a grid application that will show the skills that you've got when it comes to, to basic research things like a like literature review, like critical appraisal. Um, and those are things that are attractive at, at grid interview and grid application. Exactly. And thinking like that is essentially equally true for all the domains on the grid application form. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you can be quite, I think what's quite important, because we're saying it's great to think about it in advance, but when you're sitting there and you've laid out what you've done and you're thinking, wow, uh, you know, I could have scored more, you've got to be quite pragmatic. And whilst the PhD will get you three more points, can you do it in two months? Probably not. But um, you can, there are areas where you can certainly gain points um, in in a relatively short time by, by really... Um, you know, having a look um, kind of um, practically on what you can do in the time you have. So an example might be, like you said, within the research domain, do your DTP. Most of these things are accessible online. But within the audit domain, you might be calling up to see if that audit, which you started, you'd, the change you'd put in place, see if it's been reaudited, see if someone's shown that uh, the change has been sustained or affected. Um, within teaching, you might have been 
offered, put forward as an NLS instructor, for example, but you haven't got round to booking that generic instructor course, go online, look when the next one is, see if that's possible to, to get in there. So people will have different amounts of time and different areas they need to target. So be quite savvy um, and, you know, use it in a, in a really proactive way. Yeah. And, and don't get hung up on the PhD or the, um, the Masters in Medical Education. The vast, vast majority of people that are applying to the grid process don't have these things. Um, so, you know, you're not going to be at a disadvantage to the vast majority of people that are applying. I don't have either of those things and, and I got through grid. Um, and, and that's going to be the situation for most people. Excellent. I think that's really great advice um, from both of you. Thank you very much. And before we move on to discussing the actual interview itself, did, I, did either of you have any final thoughts on, on the application process? I was just going to say once again, the key really is to talk to people who've done it before. So we have a fantastic bunch of neonatal grid trainees in Wales, really superb. Speak to them. People have got different, have, have done different things themselves people got different special areas of interest so you can get little golden nuggets of advice from different people and I think they really are an approachable bunch so not only speak to your consultants but speak to those who've done it before you because you'll really get some great wisdom from that excellent thanks Lucy and Chris you had some thoughts on this too yeah uh, last two thoughts really um the questions for the application although they don't come out until the September, don't really change much year on year. Um, so speak to the people um, who have, have gone through previous years because you're going to get the same sort of category to talk about. Um, and as we've spoken about, you know, really it's the clinical experience, your research, your education, your management. Those are the, you know, the, the four things that we're always talking about when it comes to medical careers. Um, the other thing I'd say is once you've written your application, I wouldn't say get as many people to read it as possible, but at least get five or six people to read it and I try and get a mix of people that have gone through, are currently on grid and have gone through a recent application process. Try and get some neonatal consultants to read it. And then I'd recommend trying to get someone to read it um, who A, doesn't know you particularly well. And uh, also someone who um, is uh, in a different specialty to neonates to so get somebody from general paediatrics or another um, paediatric subspecialty to read your application. So there's um, somebody that um, uh, has got a bit more it's a bit more removed from the process so that they can look at your application a bit more objectively and can look at you a bit more objectively. So it's basically um, about getting as wide a number of perspectives on your application as you can. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get every Tom, Dick and Harry to have a read of it because sometimes you can have too many opinions and um, that can be a bit overwhelming, but I'd at least get five or six opinions on your, your grid application. I, that's what I did for mine. And I found that really beneficial. I agree. The caveat is choose people um, carefully yes. because if you are, 20 people you'll get 20 different opinions so think about who you want to ask definitely definitely give it to people as Chris said and then finally get someone you trust um, who's good at grammar and English to really once you've got what you think is your final product to really go off um, go over it and, and, and look at that aspect of it so whether it's your mum or your teacher friend or whoever it is but yeah get someone who's who's removed from medicine to check your English Fab. Excellent. Thank you both very much for that. And I just wanted to say thank you to Lucy and Chris for the fantastic advice they've given us here. Both of them are happy to be contacted via Twitter. You can find Lucy on Twitter with the handle at Dr. Lucy Perkins, that's spelled D 
D-R-L-U-C-Y-P-E-R-K-I-N-S. And you can find Chris with the handle at Chris Course, which is spelled at C-H-R-I-S-C-O-U-R-S-E. And both are happy to be contacted via Twitter. We'll be bringing you their advice on interviews soon. But first, we're planning to get out all the podcasts we have available on the application process for you, given that that deadline is a bit sooner. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Drag Bites. Mm-hmm.